0: Hello, and welcome to a mini-episode of Cinematic Universe. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of Cinematic Universe to bridge the two-week gap between our Batman and Iron Man episodes. Sadly, Seven James don't join me for these mini-sodes, but instead, I give you my reactions to the comics that Seven James recommended that I read on last week's show. Those were the Batman comics, Death in the Family, and The Killing Joke. But before we get to those, let's take a look over the comic book news that has broken over the past week. Okay, there's really nowhere else to start, is there? Spider Man is returning to Marvel. Um, in late breaking news that has caused us to record this extra additional segment for the podcast but the Spider-Man franchise will be rebooted Sony will still make it but they will be making it in partnership with Marvel Studios and that will bring Spider-Man into the MCU so we'll see Spider-Man next reportedly in Captain America Civil War before the next solo Spider-Man film which will be released on July 28th 2017 Andrew Garfield is out we will have a new Spider-Man whether that's Peter parker or miles morales we don't yet know sony will continue to distribute finance own and have final creative control of the spider-man franchise but kevin feige will be producing on behalf of marvel to make room for the new spider-man marvel have had to reschedule a number of films thor ragnarok will move from july 2017 to november 2017 black panther will move from that november 2017 date up to july 2017 and humans will now move back to summer 2019 And Captain Marvel will move to November 2018 So some pretty huge Spider-Man news right there Potentially universe shattering in the way it could affect the next decade of superhero movies And because Seb, James and I are all pretty big fans of Spidey And basically because we just couldn't wait a whole week to discuss it together We're going to be recording a bonus episode of Cinematic Universe A Spidey special which should be with you by Friday So keep your eyes peeled for that Let's move on now to the big trailer from last week, and that was the trailer for Netflix's Daredevil, as well as the trailer, which we'll more than likely be discussing on next week's full episode. An interview went live on IGN with showrunner Stephen Estenite who discussed the evolution of Daredevil's costume, which Seb will be relieved to hear we'll see him in more than just the black getup we can see in the trailer, and also the influence of Frank Miller on the show. So I feel very in the know now after having read uh, The Man Without Fear. On the big screen, Angelina Jolie's name is the first name to be linked with the director's chair for Captain Marvel. We should probably expect to hear a lot more names linked in the future, but it's no surprise that Kevin Feige is looking at a female director, and uh, quite right too. Sticking with Marvel, but moving over to Fox's X-Men universe, Deadline have reported that there are at least six actresses in the running for the lead female role in Deadpool. No news on what that role might be, but the biggest names linked so far are Orange is the New Black's Taylor Schilling and Homeland and Firefly star Marina Bakarin. Also mentioned in the piece are Teen Wolf's Crystal Reed, Red Band Society's Rebecca Rittenhouse, Vikings' Sarah Green, and also Jessica DeGau, who has previous superhero experience, having suited up as Huntress for Arrow. Casting news on the small screen now, carrie Ann Moss will be joining, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, and The Tomorrow People's Luke Mitchell will be joining Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in an Inhuman role. Jamie Alexander will also be returning to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for a second episode as Lady Sith. And finally, Arrow star David Ramsey has been discussing his role on the show with ComicBook.com and he addressed the theory that John Diggle will eventually become John Stewart and thus the show's Green Lantern. He told the site he couldn't say yes or no because he genuinely didn't know, but that there were serious discussions being held about the possibility. I for one would definitely be in favour if they can find a way to do Green Lantern justice on a television budget. Okay, that's this week's superhero news. Let's move on now to our recap of the comics that Seven James recommended I read after we discussed Tim Burton's Batman on the last podcast. Let's kick things off with Seb's recommendation, which was Death in the Family. And this is is going to be slightly different. I'm I'm slightly wary of diving into this discussion because this is the first comic that has been recommended that I should read on the podcast that I haven't enjoyed. Um, And I kind of really didn't like it. And I'm wary because I'm aware that we've got probably a lot of people listening to this podcast who know a lot more about comic books than me. And I'm sure it would be very irritating to hear me talk about something you like and saying I don't like it when I don't know very much but I'm just gonna tell you wh- why it, it didn't work for me so as a newcomer to Batman comics I've had a little bit of exposure to Batman comics before and I did, I knew the broad strokes of the two comics that were recommended this week in terms of some of the major events that happened but actually I was surprised by quite how little I knew about Death in the Family uh, aside from the facts that Jason Todd died and so <laughs> even being forewarned by Seb last week that this comic took us all the way to Lebanon and Ethiopia, it, it felt it felt strange. It didn't feel like what I was expecting for a Batman comic. The fact that so little of it was in Gotham. It wasn't very close to the idea of Batman that I have in my head from from the movies. And it also felt a little bit strange that Batman, for much of the story, certainly the portion of the story where Jason Todd is alive, felt like much more of an observer. He He's constantly commentating on the situation I, I never really felt that he was like a true protagonist in the fact that he he was he was reacting a lot or the m- the important threads of the story seemed to evolve the Joker and Jason Todd and then Batman just did a little bit of cleaning up at the end of the story I was also quite surprised because I formed a theory about the story early on which proved not to be true and when it proved not to be true I was frustrated just because it seemed like everything in the story was happening as a result of coincidence instead so I was I was was sure that when Jason Todd was given the information about his mother not being the person he thought it was and that in fact his real mother was still out. I was convinced that for <laughs> for that to take Jason Todd to Lebanon where coincidentally the Joker was and Batman was having to be to investigate the Joker and then to take him to Ethiopia where the Joker was because he was there blackmailing the woman who actually turns out to be Jason Todd's mother I was sure that the Joker must have planted the information about about. about the identity of Jason Todd's mother. And in fact, his mother was the woman he'd always believed it was and that this was an elaborate hoax from the Joker to get Jason Todd and Batman, where he wanted them, when he wanted them, but that didn't come to pass. So it just, it just, it's just coincidence, I guess, that they're in Lebanon at the same time, and then, and then they're in Ethiopia at the same time, which um, which seemed like a bit of a stretch to me. And then, uh, yeah, let's get to Jason Todd because Jason Todd is the worst, isn't he? I mean, <laughs> just based on these uh, few issues. I'm I kind of really didn't like Jason Todd. His costume is dreadful. Do all Robins dress like that? Do Robins still dress like that? Because, ish. Um, uh, having said that, uh, that Jason Todd is the worst, uh, which I stand by, um, I still found it fairly unpleasant that this was a comic that was built around people voting to kill him. And also the manner of the death is really unpleasant. Or certainly the manner of the beating that he takes from the Joker is very unpleasant with the crowbar and the, the, kind of casual remark from the Joker that it was messy. As much as I wasn't liking the character, I mean he's a, a teenage boy and that's, yeah it's, it's pretty rough. And for him to have been betrayed by his mother beforehand as well felt felt nasty. But then weirdly I actually found his death anticlimactic. But for, for him to survive the beating and then to have the last moment with his mother and then to blow up afterwards. I almost think if you're going to commit to the Joker being that brutal and awful and have such an such a Unpleasant thing happened on the page. That you commit to it and have that be what kills Jason Todd, but I guess it lessens the blow slightly by having him have one final cathartic moment with his mother. And then moving on past that, I guess we uh, we then get to Batman getting back to Gotham and all of the stuff surrounding the UN. Again, slightly uncomfortable with aspects of the comic that seemed kind of racist. The fact that, the, that Iran would hire the Joker to be their diplomat and just generally the way that African and Middle Eastern characters are depicted in this uh, felt... It lacked nuance, shall I say. But then, I, I have to admit, I did find the idea of the Joker having diplomatic immunity and that Batman couldn't touch him interesting. And in fact, I thought it would be, it would be great to see a comic where maybe there is a device like that used to... And this might exist. Uh, maybe this is what I need to read next. But an, a device that makes the Joker untouchable as far as Batman's concerned. And he... He knows that eventually he's going to revert to type, but he can't do anything until he does, and he kind of has to just sit there and watch. And I, I think that would be maybe really interesting over like nine or ten issues, rather than just the one or two that you get here. But then I really enjoyed uh, Superman's brief cameo and Batman punching Superman. That that was correct. Uh, <laughs> what I was told in the podcast last week, that is uh, one of the great moments in this comic. Batman punching Superman realising, ah, yeah, that, that's not a good idea that was that was really fun so yeah generally I I guess I can understand why this was recommended to me in that it's a comic that I've heard discussed many times I'm aware that it's important within the Batman canon it arrived very close to the Tim Burton movie and also kind of shows the Joker committing one of his definitive acts I guess it makes sense that the Joker can't be a cartoonish silly villain all the time and he has to do some deeply unpleasant stuff because that's in his nature. I'm not sure why it didn't sit completely right with me here, but I understand the nature of that character kind of necessitates some of those kind of actions happening from time to time. But that's probably a good point to jump over to uh, James's recommendation, which is The Killing Joke. So this is Alan Moore's 1988 one shot comic i actually read the recolored reprint version of the story so i I don't actually know what it looked like in its original printing but i have to say i thought it looked absolutely stunning here obviously they're different beasts but just the, the 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 difference in the artistry between death and the family which i really didn't enjoy looking at and then the killing joke i just found the disparity remarkable um and just this the killing joke a really really beautiful piece of artwork to look at from start to finish. So you you can probably guess that I'm a lot more positive on this. I really enjoyed The Killing Joke. I will get the negative stuff out of the way early and I I guess this isn't going to be surprising to anyone who knows the story. But again, I've found... The Barbara Gordon stuff e- extremely uncomfortable. I'm aware of the women in refrigerators trope and aware of that going into reading this, and that Barbara Gordon's paralysis had been one of the key examples there. And I, I can't help but agree. It, it's it's nasty. It's it's not a nice way to see a character, an established character, treated. And I think the the killer for me, not knowing Barbara Gordon properly from the comics as as readers more. Acquaint- with Batman Wood. The killer for me was the fact that of the naked photographs afterwards and the way that it was all in service of playing with Commissioner Gordon and then Batman. It wasn't wasn't anything to do to Barbara Gordon particularly, it was it was a way to motivate the male characters and that's, that's, that's always problematic. And, and then just doing a little bit of reading around it as well. I've read the Wikipedia page. So some great background reading for me there, but, um, just the fact that Alan Moore said that his editor told him to cripple the bitch, uh, that that's that's not nice to read, is it? Um, but that's that's the negative stuff out of the way. Um, I move on now. So I'll talk about the half of the comic that is a Joker origin story. First of all, I'm a sucker for an unreliable narrator, so I I, I like the idea that the Joker is telling is remembering this story, but kind of it's one possible version of events. You as a reader, you don't have to go. This is how the Joker came to be. But also that for the Joker himself, it's it's not quite clear. That's obviously something that. Christopher Nolan took for The Dark Knight that was an aspect of the film I really liked that he had a different origin story to tell every time he met anyone but that's a story for another podcast but I do like the idea that essentially what the Joker is certain of it was one bad day it was one bad day that turned him into what he is and that he's driven by trying to prove that that one bad day to anyone else can do the same thing and, and Commissioner Gordon is his guinea pig in a respect but essentially it, he's trying to prove it to Batman and that that he and Batman have this, we get from the very start, that both the Joker and the Batman recognise the importance of their relationship and how they're tied into this seemingly never-ending battle with each other that they both kind of realise will probably end in one of them, if not both of them, dying. And also the fact that Batman is there when the Joker suffers his accident, when the man he was becomes the Joker. That small little tie-in, at least... Uh, you, you could see the thread there, the the through line to the Tim Burton movie. So, yeah, I really enjoyed all the flashback stuff. Um, I like... It does seem like one truly, truly terrible day. <laughs> you could see how that could drive someone mad. At the same time, it seems so implausibly bad that you think, that can't possibly be the Joker's origin. And, um... It, probably a Strike from Alan Moore to keep that ambiguous, and there's a lot of ambiguity to the story. The main story of the present day stuff it does seem a little bit slight, but that's that's a minor complaint when you get all the origin stuff around it, and when it looks so good, and and it's a. It's an absolute breeze to read. I, I, I flew through it, uh, whereas I found uh, Death in the Family a real struggle. I, I was taking breaks between each of the issues. But the story to have the Joker operating out of a fun house just seems perfect. I like I like the idea a lot of him trying to break down someone, turn them mad again. That That's something that, that Chris Nolan seems to have lifted. The concept of trying to break someone down like that and prove his point to Batman is something that I wanted to to see more of and, and that's kind of what I liked I think that's kind of is that version of the Joker is what I wanted to see It's what Death and the Family lacked that Death and the Family showed the Joker being crazy being nutty and being horrible and violent but kind of detached from each other and almost without meaning uh, whereas this felt like a fully realized character the, the flashback aspects probably helped but the Joker being a man with a plan albeit a, a twisted horrible plan and at the end of the day just trying to prove to himself and to his his key adversary that he he there is a reason for his being there is a reason he is like he is and wanting Batman to acknowledge that they're not that different after all are they <laughs> um and so then coming to that ending where Batman and the Joker do go head-to-head. I think that ending is kind of perfect. As I said earlier, the ambiguity of his origin story it kind of reflected here the uh, the ambiguousness of the ending with the joker telling his joke to batman and i loved batman laughing it just seemed utterly perfect in a way that batman almost acknowledging that is pretty devastating for the joker to be proved so entirely wrong on his one bad day idea with commissioner gordon the fact that he hadn't driven commissioner gordon mad in the way that he was driven mad must be pretty devastating, and for then Batman to laugh at the Joker's joke, it struck me as almost compassionate. (laughs) A weirdly sweet Moment at the end of this dark, pessimistic story. For them to be laughing together and then to have the ambiguity of the of the beam of light and what we think is actually happening at the end of that comic. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it's is something I, I, I'll probably hope to discuss more with Seven James because it was a it was a book I really enjoyed. I quite like the idea of coming back to this story once I get to know the character of Batman a little bit more, and judging by the amount of Batman TV movies that we've got got to explore in the future of Cinematic Universe, um, I'm sure that is something I will be able to do. Incidentally, Seb's review of The Killing Joke when it was reissued is up on Den of Geek, which I read, Um, and you should all track that down if you want to do a little bit more uh, Killing Joke reading. But that brings us to the end of this week's comics recap. Uh, So all that remains now, really, is to just wrap things up. Uh, So I'd like to say thanks again to everyone who's downloaded or subscribed to Cinematic Universe already. We've already had a couple of requests for films to discuss on future episodes, and rest assured to the people that got in contact, we'll get to Hellboy and Howard the Duck eventually. Um, Just to quickly explain how we are actually selecting the films for our main discussion. So while we are hopping around in time with our selections each week, when it comes to each movie franchise, we will be working through those In order. So, for instance, the next Marvel Cinematic Universe we'll get to after Iron Man will be The Incredible Hulk. And the next Burton vs. Batman we'll review will be Batman Returns. So that's not to say that we won't review, say, a Christopher Nolan or an Adam West Batman between now and then. But we'll definitely follow through each given franchise continuity in a logical fashion. And the only exceptions to that will be when new films arrive in cinemas. So we're not going to make you wait through, say, ten separate episodes as we work our way through the MCU before we get to, oh, I, I don't know off the top of my head, Age of Ultron, maybe the... That would be something that, when it's in cinemas, we'll cover on the show. We will also be getting to some more obscure productions, some TV shows, some animation, some non-superhero comics adaptations further down the line. But we we wanted to begin with a few movies that everyone recognised to, off the bat, give you a feel for what Cinematic Universe was all about. And hopefully that's what you're getting. Uh, We appreciate everyone who's got in touch so far to let us know what they think of the show and left us positive reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. If you are enjoying the show, then please do pop onto your podcast app of choice and leave us a review. Um, And subscribe, definitely subscribe. We love our subscribers most of all. You are what make up the Cinematic Universe universe. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at cu underscore podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash cinematic universe pod or you can send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and a reminder that we're going to be back with the birth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe next week, with Jon Favreau's Iron Man. And before that even, we'll have the Spidey special coming to you on Friday as well. See you then. Thank you.